Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the UT Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. This is The Tea. Uh, Today is a cool episode. We have Scott Feehan and Monica Rowand with uh, Festival International. Um, I'm guessing you're with Festival International. I'm gonna, you're associated with it. By proxy, I don't So, their names are on the screen there. Scott Feehan is the executive director of Festival International, uh, has been for uh, a few years now, and then Monica Rowand is uh, with the sustainability at UL Lafayette. Sustainability, I guess, just a department? Yep, Office of Sustainability. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let me make sure I have my gain up here. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about some new things that Festival International has going on. And uh, yeah, so really that's basically it. And so obviously you see something on the table here. We're going to be talking about their RFID wristbands and how they're going to be expanding. So uh, I'm going to quit rambling for a second here, and I'm going to go ahead and let these guys introduce themselves and tell them tell you a little bit about them. So, uh, Monica, if you want to go first. Oh, sure. Um, so, I am with a group called Greening Festival, which was part of the 24-Hour Citizen Project. Are you familiar with that? Or are listeners yep. familiar mm-hmm. with 24-Hour Citizen Project? So, we pitched a project uh, back in the fall and had started working with Scott, I think, during the summer. Uh, our goal, long-term goal, is to get rid of the use of styrofoam in Lafayette Parish. Um, so we thought, what better way to grow demand for this than to partner with the biggest event that happens downtown? Um, so we pitched an idea to replace all styrofoam containers used by vendors at Festival International with a compostable plant-based product, a lot of which is actually made out of sugarcane bagasse, which is the byproduct from sugarcane mills. Um, so a local-ish product. Um, and Scott and Festival International trusted us. They mm-hmm. warned us, tried to scare us away. And we're like, no, we're going to do it. And so partnered with them, pitched in 24-Hour Citizen Project, received funding to help the vendors pay for the cost of new materials. And we'll be seeing a lot less styrofoam at Festival International this year. That is, that is really cool. Um, I have a logo for the greening festival actually and i'm going to uh pull it up right here now mind you it's a uh it looks like it has a white background but that's all right so uh if you're watching you can see it right there it's uh go green it's the festival international logo with some leaves at the four corners which is really cool Uh, obviously it's green so you know the the idea behind it um so you, you you mentioned Monica and mm-hmm. I'll get to well you know what let me let me let Scott introduce himself <laughs> before I get too ahead of myself because you you spilled a good bit there uh, Scott go ahead and uh, let everybody know uh, you've been here before already last year uh, go ahead and let everybody know uh, what you do and uh, how you're involved in festival so I'm, my name is Scott Feehan I'm currently the executive director of festival so I I've been coming to festivals since 1992, haven't missed one, and then I got on the board. I started volunteering in 2009, then I got on the board, and it was just one step after another. I got 
so deep in at some point they gave me the keys and here I am. <laughs> they gave you the keys. Yeah. So 1992, how old were you in 1992? I was a sophomore in high school. Okay, wow. So you were young. Yeah. Were you, uh, did you have dreadlocks or anything like that? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> no, nothing like that. Um, no, man? Okay. Um, well, so, so you've been with festival obviously for a while. I mean, just by attendance and then recently you're now executive director, which is a which is what, the highest position there, or close to it? Well, so we have a staff of six, yep. so um, I, I try to help manage the staff. Now, we, we also have a board of directors, so I report to the board. Gotcha. We have a board of 34 people. Uh, there's a president, ex- executive committee structure. <clears throat> so that's who I ultimately report to. Okay, so um, I just want to let everybody know that's watching. If you do have questions, um, obviously I misspelled questions right there, God forbid. Um, <laughs> But yeah, if you do have questions, um, feel free to ask them live. I'll be checking the, the comment section as we go on. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the the Greening uh, Festival. I'm going to put some of y'all's logos, by the way, up on the screen so that people know who are supporting the festival. So Greening Festival, uh, this is the first year. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, Monica, that the festival was... I guess low key trying to run you guys off, <laughs> like not not low key. <laughs> <laughs> Very high key. No, um, well, just not run us off necessarily, but not get into a situation where we said we can do all these things and then we would realize, oh, that's bigger than we expected. So setting expectations at the outset so that we didn't leave Scott hanging mid midway yeah and this so to monica's and her team's credit um you know we've we have done efforts to you know to try to respect the the environment but at festival international is a beast it's a lot of people it's a ton of people and it's it, it's just a beast no matter which area you want to try to go in and tackle and so every year almost it seems like you know people would pitch to us some ideas on how we could become more green and for, you know, any number of issues from logistics to manpower to whatever it is, you know, we've, we've had a hard time finding people who could really step up and make it happen. And so our first couple meetings, you know, that, that's when we just, like Maya said, we need to set expectations because this isn't just showing up to Gerard Park and saying, hey, let's go pick some things up. This is, I mean, on Saturday alone last year, we, we had over 169,000 people on site. So this is... It, you know, it, it's a big deal. So, like I said, they, I think we had probably two meetings where I was setting expectations, and they kept coming back, and uh, the plan they proposed was solid, and like I said, the fact that they stuck through and kept coming back told me that, that they were serious. So, so the, the idea is to have compostable to-go plates, essentially, or anything that's styrofoam be compostable. Um, how do you guys... How, how are you guys going to achieve that? Like, are you providing the, the, the restaurants and whoever's serving these material, or did they have to buy it themselves? Um, so they have to buy it themselves. However, the funding that we receive from 24-Hour Citizen Project uh, is to provide them with a partial subsidy to help offset the increased costs that they have. Uh, we've set up, we've worked with a company who sells compostable products. They sell 
pretty much anything that any of the vendors would want. They have a compostable version. So we've set up a, a web page, zerowasteevents.com. There's a Festival International store that the vendors have a code to get into to then order product from. And that's how we'll know what they've purchased so we can provide them with a subsidy on the back end to help lower their investment. So what is the, is it, how much more expensive or inexpensive is it to get a compostable plate versus the traditional styrofoam plate? Yeah, it depends. Um, depends on what the item is. So a compostable plate versus a styrofoam plate is only going to be a couple pennies more. A compostable like clamshell container, the closing container versus a styrofoam container can be up to 50 cents or more in addition. Um, so it is something that people do have to get used to. And we didn't, that's part of why I think Scott let us stay is we were saying, hey, you need to lay down the hammer on your vendors right now. Um, we were all about easing people into this transition. So. It's interesting that um, this is a an initiative that's starting um, because I last year, around this time, <clears throat> I brought in uh, people that were newbies to Lafayette, people that have never lived in Lafayette but moved here because they love the food, the culture, and all that good stuff. They love the free festival, um, Festival International. So whenever I ask them what is one thing that they could change about Lafayette or just in Acadiana in general, I, I was a little little surprised by their answer. They said, they said was trash. And I'm like, well, tell me a little bit more about it because look, I see trash. I guess it's, I've seen it so often that it's almost urban camouflage for me. Yeah. Um, there are some streets that I've seen it more, more so than others, but it doesn't look terrible, at least for people that have lived here that see it all the time. Now, if you go to a place that's super clean, you're like, ah, oh, this place is beautiful. But one of the things they said to elaborate on trash and litter was the use of styrofoam plates or to-go plates, like plate lunches. Okay. Like you go, you get a plate lunch, the plate in your head that you're imagining is a styrofoam plate, the okay. clamshell plate that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, like, are we are we hoping? Obviously, I think we're hoping for that. But is, are there plans to, to like motivate businesses outside of festival uh, happenings to move towards those plates? Yep, 100%. So the thought is twofold. One, before we approached Festival International, we did consider just going to downtown. Like, what if we switched downtown over all the restaurants for a week or something like that? But that we felt our team... So I also... Apologies team that I haven't mentioned y'all yet, but this is not just me. It's a team of four M's. Um, so myself, uh, Mick Essex, Maggie Bienvenu, and Mari Robichaud. And Mari is actually on the board of Festival International and has been running waste and recycling management for how many years? Over 10. Do need to count? Yeah, over 10. Um, so that's also part of the reason why we have been able to do this is having her on our team. She Maureen. Uh, Mari. Mari. Mari, okay. Mm -hmm. She actually has a tattoo of the Go Green logo. Oh, wow. I didn't know if I was allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why would you be allowed to say that? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, but, so that's part of her expertise and experience in handling all of the waste material and the recycling. Um, and then that's why it's been able to come together. But we decided that Festival International would be a bigger showpiece to push it forward. It also gets 
um, 15, 20, up to thir uh, 30 vendors involved in trying out these products. So some of them might have been scared to use it or thought, well, maybe it'll be different. I don't want to use this in my restaurant. But now with this opportunity to use it, they don't have to put out as much money as they would have. Um, the hope is that they'll then start making the transition. People like these people you mentioned you had last year will, will start asking for it and putting pressure on uh, the region as well. Okay. So I'm gen genuinely curious on the compostable clamshell plates and all that good stuff or any plate, any compostable material. So, for example, I have a cup of tea right here because this is the tea. Um, <laughs> if I have a compostable cup versus this hard plastic cup, mm -hmm. what is the longevity of that cup while I have my tea in it? Like, is it going to get soggy? Um, is it coated with a wax? Is what? What are those plates? How, how do people like put jambalaya in a plate and expect it to hold up? Is it going to hold up versus the other plates? Yeah. So it's um, just like any paper paper based product currently. Like if you go and buy a paper plate, you can get one that's clearly just paper. You can rip it. But then you know, there's also paper plates that have that waxy coat, like you just said. Yeah. The same thing applies to compostable packaging. Uh, there are uncoated versions and then there's coated versions, but instead of coated with what's called a poly liner or a plastic liner, it's coated with a PLA liner, which is stands for polylactic acid, <laughs> uh, which is a corn-based plastic. Okay. So it's a plant-based plastic that has been designed for compostability and under the right circumstances, which is enough heat and oxygen, it will break back down. Um, and that's the same for, they make clear plastic cups as well that are PLA plastic, compostable. So um, if you've been to a Raging Cajun football game in the last year, you would have been served beer in one. Okay. Um, actually, that's not true. A baseball game. So baseball, baseball game, game this year. So not football yet. Yeah. Uh, football, we use hard, hard plastic like souvenir cups. Um, but the baseball games are in... The, the brand is called Eco Products, and they have a stripe around them, a green stripe, and it says compostable. It, that'll break down under the right conditions, not just in your backyard or the landfill, but if treated properly, it will. Okay, okay. So you can't just leave a corn-based plastic cup in your backyard and expect it to break down. No, it might in a while. It definitely would before a styrofoam cup would. But it's not going to just turn into dirt one day. Okay, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a step in the right direction is what it sounds like. Yes, and to complete the loop would be having the capacity to collect all the compostable material, get it to a facility that gets the material to the right heat and oxygen temperatures turned every day so it will break back down into a compost or soil. And that'll be step three. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, moving on with these, uh, with this initiative. So, the greening festival is that the the bulk of the greening aspect as of right now is the the plates and any of the the the, the ware that food and drink would come in. Yeah. So right now, uh, the goal is to eliminate styrofoam. So we haven't we've given vendors the option of you can get forks and spoons and anything made out of this compostable material. But goal this year is styrofoam. Switch any styrofoam you're using to a plant-based compostable option. Um, but then <clears throat> Scott's agreed we're going to keep going after that. <laughs> but, and I mean, we've already, since this project started, 
<clears throat> we went through internally just a list of everything that we currently, you know, and have been doing. So um, we're going through everything that we do from serving meals to our production crew to artists. And, you know, I mean, we use a ton of material. So we've already made some different decisions, you know, to do things on the back end that the patrons may not see. But um, it, and, and so we learned a few things, too, like leading up to the funding um, because of the, the RFID system, we were able to look through and figure out, because we had no idea how many, you know, what are, what are we dealing with? Um, we were able to pull, you know, the sales from food vendors, and we just aggregated it. So this, you know, we guessed if they're serving jambalaya, they would use a bowl, you know. We tried to guess the containers. And so we kind of went through and realized, you know, it wasn't, like, it was feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, we even tried to figure out how much it would cost vendors and I think I mean it was as low as like $40 or something and then up to maybe 200 or so the the half price investment yeah, yeah. So for the the vendor that sells the highest quantity in the most material intensive packaging which is those clamshells the switch could be about $700 total would be the cost um, but we can work with those vendors to say do you really need to serve in something with a lid when they're mm-hmm. going to take it right away so it reduces the cost disparity of items but after going through that exercise <clears throat> that's when we that's when we said you know what this this is achievable so that's when we kind of looked internally um, so we've already made decisions and then while we were waiting on the podcast uh, we were talking about the ice bags so we, we had another idea just 30 minutes ago we're going to try to take all of the ice bags and Monica has a way that we'll send them off to make park benches out of. Okay, so um, now my next question about this is how is disposal going to work? Are you guys requesting that you take the compostable material and the plastic bags and dispose of them in in the appropriate location? Because let's be honest, the, the average citizen it doesn't think about that. They just toss it in the waste bin and they're like, it's going somewhere and somebody's going to pick it out of there. And, you know, that may be true in certain areas. But so what do you what is the plan for that? Yeah. So this year, the plan disposal will look the same as it did in the past where there will be landfill bins and recycling bins. And it's you put your cups, bottles and cans in recycling and put empty and no food in the recycling and then everything else into a landfill bin. We do have plans for in the future to add a third stream, which would be a compost bin, which in theory, if all food items are served in a compostable packaging, basically anything you get a beverage in will go in recycling. Anything that is food or you served food in or you used to eat food will go in compost. And then it's really just anything that you brought in yourself that, like, not that anyone brings in anything (laughs) on site um, to go into a landfill bin. Um, We do this at, so I work in the Office of Sustainability at UL. Um, We run a soon-to-be zero-waste football stadium, so we do this in a closed setting at Cajun Field where there's only compost bins and recycling bins on Uh, the concourses during games and the plan would be to do the same thing at Festival International where we have afterwards droves of volunteers who come in and do hand sort that compostable material to take out any contaminants. Um, The bottleneck there is there's nowhere in the state of Louisiana to send large-scale post-consumer compost waste to be composted. 
Um, we're working on that at the university, but it won't be ready by April. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, this is a really cool um, initiative. I mean, uh, it's for people that are super conscious about the environment. It's they're probably super excited about it. Obviously, I can tell you're excited about it. Only a little. I wore green today. <laughs> you wore green. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Look, I was I was thinking about a question. And I was like. Would that be rude? But, uh, you know, I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you drive a hybrid or a Tesla? I do drive a hybrid. <laughs> Great. See, I, you know what? Look. I'd drive an electric car if there were more places to charge them here. I know. There's not many at all. I think uh, one just got installed next to the, is it Uptown Lofts or somewhere in that mm -hmm. area? And then one's on uh, the, the Cajun Field. Those, and then at the... Uh, public library and Scott yep. I think those are the three and I think Volvo has one but I think it's like just for them yeah. and then the Tesla superchargers just opened up on Louisiana Avenue and I-10 which is they look amazing I love Tesla yeah. but I love Tesla not for the environmental aspect that's the, the point though you yeah they're solve, great the environmental benefit needs to be just the oh by the way yeah. isn't added yeah. you just gotta compete the same you, just like you said is my cup gonna melt in my hand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah we, we have steps to go in Lafayette obviously in Louisiana and then in the south in general um, but uh, that's I think that's obvious uh, we always need to work on that but we want to move forward with um some more developments in the festival international world. Um, RFID, that's still relatively new in the past few years. Um, Scott, what is new in the RFID world? Well, so we're gonna, so this will be our third year doing RFID. And uh, we learned a lot the first two years. We've been uh, approached by many organizations around that would love to deploy um, a similar system, but you know, it's just, it's so expensive to do, so it was kind of cost prohibitive. So we've been looking and trying to work on a way that we could deploy a system on a larger scale um, to a lot smaller events year-round. So what you're seeing here is kind of the, this is actually a prototype. This is a brand new system. So in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the system we had been using. Um, the major facelift is... Uh, essentially the technology stack. The one that we used the first two years was built on 10-year-old technology. Um, this, uh, you know, I mean, these are, these are Android devices. This is, you know, hot off the press. So the technology is, uh, is a whole lot better, and I think it's, um, it's going to work better in our environment from a, a logistics standpoint. Like, imagine we had 250 tablets on site. Yeah. So imagine setting up 250 iPad stands <laughs> with two USBs plugged in and power and tearing them down every night. Um, so we'll be using these this year, um, but we're actually going to launch it at Downtown Alive for March 13th. So people can come to Downtown Alive, they can get their wristbands, they can use it for Downtown the entire season and then show up at festival, use the same wristband, they can set up their account online if they want, um, control it on their mobile phone. Um, but this is one of the big improvements uh, that we're going to toss on top of all of that. Um, and like I said, this is the so this is the prototype. So there's still a couple tweaks that we're making. It's not the finished product, but it's pretty close. And we'll have 25 of these on site for festival for downtown live. We'll have between two and four of them, and it'll be on a you know a stand. It's not sitting on a table like this. But so for people that are listening and not watching, um, so what are we looking at right now? So if you remember the wristbands, um, you would come to festival, get your wristband, and you had to go to the top up station to actually put money on the band. Well. And a lot of times you have to wait in line and there's a lot of discussion going on with people explaining how they work. This is a kiosk, just you know, similar to an ATM, 
or a self-checkout lane at a grocery store. So you can just walk up to this, tap your wristband, choose how much money you want to put on your band, and you know, there's no cash, it's credit or debit card, um, and handle it on your own. So just ran the transaction, tap your band, and you're good. All right, so this is a self-service system where you can reload your 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 wristband. Right. Um, so you guys did not have this in the past. Oh no, no, it was all it was you know cashiers at the line checking people out. So now this year we'll have the same thing. We will have you know cashiers just just like we did before. So you can walk up and you know you can use cash if you want. But you know one of the bottlenecks is that we've had was when people first show up. There is a discussion. You know, how do you know, I use it? Yeah, how do we use it? So if you already had your wristband and you didn't set it up on on the phone because um, the app didn't work as good as we wanted it to, that was another reason we switched. Um, the app on this system works a lot better. Um, but basically, if you already have your wristband, you could either control it on your app, but also you don't have to wait in line to go talk to somebody. You can just come up here and do the process that I just did. So I think it's going to streamline. Um, you know, a lot of waiting and make the, make the patron experience a lot nicer. Yeah. So how many do you plan on having these set up? I don't know if you mentioned that. Um, so we're, we're actually investing in a small fleet for us. So we're going to have four of these that we can deploy year-round for any other event. And we're going to have uh, two dozen of these Android devices that you'll use at the, at the beverage booths or food booths. And then for festival... We're bring we're renting a you know like so we have we'll have two hundred and fifty of these. So you have two hundred and fifty of the handheld androids. Yeah, those are for the staff to to handle, right? Yep, and all the beverage booths when you yep. go up to get something or food, they're gonna have gotcha. this. They, you just ring them up and then uh, you tap the wristband on the back of the the android. Wow. So this is the checkout device at all the booths. Uh, much more streamlined than what we had before because it was a tablet on a stand. Yeah. So these are going to be much easier for us to manage and handle. Because like I said, we have to set up and tear down every day. We can't just leave them outside overnight, right? So this is going to be, so we're going to have 250 of the droids and then uh, 25 of these self-service kiosks set up throughout the festival. So, so for people listening, obviously this is three years you've been using this. You had a ticketing system. Yeah. Just loose tickets before this, right? right. Like, that had to be a mess. Oh, obviously, wow. it doesn't go good with... Well, green is paper. Paper tickets. So yeah. greening, I guess, it would work. Uh, obviously, this is much less waste because you're reusing electronics and all that good stuff. Uh, what, so what was the pressing factor to move towards this direction anyway? We had several. One of the major ones was cash and ticket management through our festival. You know, so we would process... Um, you know, somewhere around, we would handle about about a million dollars of on-site sales. So that's a million dollars of cash. Plus you have to have startup cash, right? I think it was, you know, over a hundred thousand in startup cash that we had to have. And then if you've been to festival on Friday or Saturday evenings, imagine trying to keep those booths stocked and move the cash throughout the crowds. So, you know, you have to have an escort. It's, it's a security risk. It was terrible. And then if you run out of tickets, which has happened before, then you pull in new tickets. Well, on the back end, the way that we report sales to vendors, we have to count the tickets. Oh my God. Right? So the way you count them is you weigh them. Well, if they get <clears> wet, if you go out and dance and they're in your pocket or in the, in the beverage booths, if the person serving you puts their hand in the ice, 
the tickets get wet, we could weigh the tickets three times and get three different weights. Oh. And then if you have to re print new ones on site, which we've had to do before, you get a different stock of ticket, right? It's a different weight. And then you have to sort it. It was a it was a nightmare. It sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it sounds like something that I would want to sign up for if I was volunteering. <laughs> there are some people. If if anybody's listening that was part of that process, they're probably laughing right now. Uh, this was a game changer for us. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they appreciate this very much. And then you know it's opened up other possibilities like the Green Festival because we were able to pull these reports now and we know exactly what. You know what we sell and, and we can also we're now able to look at our different top-up stations or our different booths and we can look at exactly when the traffic happens how many transactions a minute so we've been able to staff make different decisions on staffing to you know really put people where we need them when we need them you know throughout festivals so it's it's been a game changer in a lot of different ways yeah another thing that um, just crossed my mind is strategic placement of these throughout the festival. So um, how did you guys, or did you decide where the 25 of these are going to be placed? Yeah, the, so we're going to have, so on Wednesday night, we're going to front load, you know, where, where the main entrance to Fado Doe is, um, just so we can, because that's when, you know, the first time you get to festival, you need to get your wristband, that sort of thing. And then most most of our normal top-up stations that we've always had in the same locations, they're three-sided. So we're going to set up one side of each tent is going to have three of these side-by-side. -side. So you can walk up to the same tent and you can go talk to somebody and pay cash if you want. If you have your wristband, you can just walk to the other side and walk right up to one of these. And then we'll have the four that we're, built, the, that we're building that we're going to own. They're going to be kind of floaters, and those are the ones that we're looking at the real traffic of where they need to be, and we can, we'll actually be able to move those around. Okay. So you'll be able to see where your, your biggest collection of people are in festival, which would also help in other areas besides knowing where to put these, but like your stage placement, or I guess, I'm not sure if you can really change your stage placement because there's not that much places, that many places in downtown. No, but. it's tough. Um, I mean, this year we have a big challenge with the, oh, the federal courthouse that's being built. So moving stages is a, is a very big challenge. Um, the Fado Doe stage, is it still going to be located at the Buchanan Garage place at this point? It's going to be at the same place. Um, it'll be a little bit smaller. Um, so everything at that place is just going to be a little bit smaller. We, uh, a couple of tents will, will not be there um, because we're losing some of the grass area in front of the old federal courthouse. So we just had to kind of, we got creative. Um, I, you, you shouldn't, ho you should, hopefully you won't notice a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. There. I don't think too many people will notice a big difference. I mean, most of the people that are there probably have a little bit of liquid courage in them. So noticing that it's not going to be a top of mind. Right. Uh, so uh, now that we talked about Greening Festival, which is a, a very unique thing that's happening with festival, and I, I can't wait to see the numbers that come back and like, are the statistics of how people use it and what was the perception behind it. Um, but even the wristband, so you said Downtown Alive will be the first place or your unveiling of this system, right? right. And that was March 31st? March 13th. Thir 13th. God, why did I say 31st? Dyslexia. Yeah. Um, so March 13th. So how many of you, how many of these are you going to have set up there? We'll have four of the self-service kiosks. And then we'll have um, a couple dozen, you know, the, you'll see the, the handheld androids and all of the beverage booths and their merch, merchandise booth um, and their bar. 
So you'll see them all, and that'll be a great time because we're going to be out there. You know, we can show the system off. It's you know, it's a lot. It's not a hundred thousand people in one place. So right, right. We'll, we'll have a whole season to really interact with people and show them the system. They can get very comfortable with it before showing up to festival. So this is an introduction. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. Um, so uh, we are at thirty-two minutes. I want to just go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the. Uh, musical acts and uh, anything that are planned for festival. So, uh, what can we expect for festival this year? Well, if you hadn't seen the uh, the lineup we just released this past weekend, it's uh, I think we have musicians from like twenty five different countries somewhere in there, and there are some there are some really interesting groups that uh, Lisa, our programming director, was able to to nab, which I'm I, I was surprised, you know, frankly, because it, it's always tough to you know deal on the world music scene trying to. It's not just trying to find the right group, but it's also trying to route them and get the right agent that can do so. There's a few groups that um, that I think are going to really catch people's eye, and then the street animation. We haven't released any of this yet, but there's uh, there's a couple really cool surprises coming for street animation. So and street animation, you're talking about the the big guys on stilts and all that good stuff. Stilt walkers, the dragons, the crazy train in the street. You know, just all the. The brass band, the things yeah. that just pop up out of nowhere when you're walking down Jefferson Street, and, you know. Yeah, no, that's that, that's what. Anytime I go to festival, that's one of my favorite things is to see the the random people on the street that that are you know uh, talent, and then of course the bands, and that, those are cool for me because like there was one year, uh, all of a sudden uh, a drum band just started kicking off. I'm like, yeah, where did they come from? It was it was cool to see. Um, and then the silt walkers, those are always cool because they look like bugs, at least yeah. the ones that I remember. Um, so what is one of your favorite acts or what is one that you're looking forward to coming? Um, and we have a, there's a funk group coming in, uh, Five Alarm Funk, uh, from Canada, I believe. Five Alarm? Yeah. Okay. Coming from Canada and, and there, if you see, there's a short clip of them in our lineup video and, um, <laughs> if, if you see them, it's, it's, they make an impression that, I mean, like the drummer is actually the front man and. I mean, he looks like a gorilla just pounding, you know. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, they have a ton of energy, um, and I, I mean, I'm a funk fan, so I, I think they're going to really make an impression. And you're a big music guy anyway. I mean, you have the, the School of Rock and yeah. all that good stuff. Right. Which, obviously, it's like, that's, that's all of Scott. Like, that's like, <laughs> says Scott right there. Uh, Monica, what about you? Uh, are you looking forward to any certain act or... Thing or do you even know of them yet? Yeah. I haven't looked at the video yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I go. I honestly, I like to go into. I'm really bad with choices, so things like Festival International, where there's multiple choices at the same time, I I never look beforehand, and I just go where it sounds. Yeah. What where it's taking me at that time, but I feel like I might be a little busy this year <laughs> with um. Materials management. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll you'll have your hands busy. Yeah. Uh, and, and and obviously it sounds like you're a. Uh, I mean, I'm just going off of what you're saying. It sounds like you're a free spirit. Because <laughs> I'm kind of like that too. Uh, every time I go to a festival, um, I just kind of walk around and like. Of course, the food guides me, but uh, I like. I like what sounds good, so I'll, I'll just like hover around certain stages, and uh, I, I say this all the time, every time I talk about festival, because this was my first impression of festival whenever I moved here, was uh, Beats Antique. I love those guys. I don't know if you know who Beats Antique is, but it sounds like Egyptian, uh, Egyptian techno-ish kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
like it's like down tempo Egyptian music. It's that's my yeah. uh, perception of it. And uh, they're on like I, I use Napster. Do you remember Napster? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know. It's still so it's around. legitimate now. It's legitimate. <laughs> uh, so I, I have a Napster subscription. You ha- I have to pay for it. It's like Spotify, every other subscription service. Anyway, that's Not what that I use. Look, I used it when it wasn't legitimate. <laughs> I was 13. I didn't have any reason not to try to use it. Uh, and of course, I feel bad now because I'm like, I had a lot of music. I had like 3,000 something songs. Antique, uh, but take they're on Napster. They're on every other major thing. You can probably pull them up on YouTube and all that good stuff. But if you if you like eclectic sounds, yeah. that's that's one like... I have to I have to be mindful of where I listen to it. It's not like bad or anything, but it's different. It's very, it's it's groovy. Uh, well, cool. Um, is there is, is there anything else that we did not talk about? Because the main topics of discussion were greening festival and the, the new RFID uh, setups. Is there something else that I may be missing? No, I, I think it's worth at least pointing out that the you know the reason we it's called greening festival is. We're not making a. We're ma- basically making a statement that we're trying to take more steps in that direction. Process. It's a process, but you know we want to get the message out that it's it's nothing that five people can do. You know we have 150,000 people out there on Saturday, so uh, if we could just get people to think about it and be cognizant of you know try to make better choices, and I mean if we can all pitch in, then I think hopefully we can make a dent. So. Yeah, and you had mentioned you said sometimes you let the food guide you. Uh, on the Festival International app this year, as well as on the vendor booths. If it is one of the vendors who has chosen to switch to compostable products and not use styrofoam, they'll be marked with that Green Festival logo, or the Go Green logo. So you can let that guide you as well and choose to go to the green vendors. Oh man, you know, if I was a vendor, I'd be like, I need to. I need to I do this now. Not. Like this is. That's, that's a. That's a. I know. That's that's obviously the plan. It's it's, it's it's uh, green shaming. No. 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 <laughs> it's green incentivizing. Incentivizing, better term. Um, you know that that's uh that's very cool. Um, I think it's good to to convince people to go green. Obviously, when it, where they can. Um, well, cool. Uh, so greening festival ing because I whenever I first read it I thought that it was a typo. So greening, meaning that you're in the process of going green, you're greening, uh, you're not green yet. Um, fully. Shades of green. Shades of green. Because might as well make um, incremental steps and have the positive impacts we can now instead of hold off, like wait until we have every single piece right. And we'll save a little bit. Yeah, and, and we have, I don't want to act like we've done nothing before, because Maury has been involved in this, and she's done a fantastic job with the resources that she has and the logistical limitations that exist. So um, we have tried, and 24-Hour Citizen Project right now, I think is going to help us take it to the next level. Um, so, But, you know, if you come out on festival, and you, you know, like I said, we still have, a, there's a roadmap. We still have a ways to go. We're just trying to take it to the next level. Cool. Well, well, so last question, and then we will end this episode because we're at almost 40 minutes. Um, when do you hope, or what is the projected date where you hope to have the festival be completely green? Well, the, the first date that we're going to note is the Monday after festival. Yeah. And we're going to look at Monica and, and her team and see, <laughs> see if they're still alive. 
and see if they're smiling at us or uh, giving us a you know a the gesture. Middle finger, yeah. Um, no. But and so I don't know. I think we'll just evaluate and, and see. You know, it's already been interesting. You know, like I said, just sitting here today, the um, the ice bags. Like, mm-hmm. I think once we get through festivals, then we'll see what else we can easily do. I mean, it, it's certainly a multi-year. Yeah. You know. And like Scott mentioned, it's limitations of not just resources of Festival International, but resources and what's available in the area. Like, so to get to truly zero waste, you have to have a place to send it and send the landfill. And so those options need to be available. I mean, I feel like it's safe to just guess. It's at least a five year. I mean, it's a five, 10 year kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I'm assuming it'd be a five year because that seems like a, a relatively achievable time frame. Especially if this year goes well. Yeah. I mean, it could be sooner. We, we would hope that it would be sooner, right? right? She's hoping it could be like tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, no. I've three, You're two, realistic. Three to five years. Yeah, three okay. to five years. Okay. Mon- Monday after festival, we'll talk. <laughs> well, Monday after festival, yeah, I'm curious to see. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys going to like publicly announce um, the greening uh, progress or like how well did it work or like the statistics of it? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be cool to see because I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to see how many people were open to it because if you're as long as you're getting your food, as long as you're able to eat it, I don't think I don't see a reason why. I think the 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 barrier would be the restaurants and want, having them want to just go up on their price a little bit, and I think that that's the only barrier I see. Well, and I mean, there are some other barriers too. I mean, you know, the type of food, their menu. Yeah, there are things that restaurants have to work through as well. So it's, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, green shame people because it was received very well by all of the restaurant vendors who showed up at the meeting. But, the, you know, there are certain challenges that pose themselves too. So um, it might be a multi-year for some of those some of those vendors as well. So. Okay. Well, cool. Well, uh, Monica... Uh, Scott, I really appreciate you guys coming on, talking about the festival and uh, the different initiatives that you have going on. And, the, of course, the, the technology that's being improved upon and um, even being going, hopefully, to zero waste at some point. Yes, zero waste Lafayette. Yes. Well, uh, again, uh, thank you guys for coming on today. Thanks thank for having you for us. having us. Uh, let me go ahead and show uh, the last round of sponsors for the festival. So... Uh, if you're not already a sponsor, I don't know if you can sign up to be a sponsor this late. Absolutely. So if uh, if anybody's watching that you own a business or any an organization, uh, you can definitely sponsor the the festival. Uh, what you're looking at right now, if you're watching on screen, you see the local uh, tiers. So you have platinum, gold, and silver. Um, you know it's an important festival to have in town. It's uh, completely free to. Uh, the the citizens of Lafayette and the businesses and the organizations in town are uh, what support it. And of course, I mean, if you want to get a better experience in festival, you can pay to have like the Bonton uh, take passes, uh, passes yeah. and I think it's the is it the Lanya? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, you can definitely have an an enhanced experience at the festival. So. Um, yeah there's that and that is all we have today so um again thank you monica and scott for uh coming on today thanks for having us for information on sponsoring the tea podcast by developing lafayette go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise.